He is greater. Jesus Christ, he is our king. He is our hope. He is heir of all things. He purifies us from sin. We have life eternal because of him. He is our great God. Man, it's great to be here with you. It's great to be worshiping with you, man. We are here to make much of Jesus Christ. May it be all about him because he is worthy. He is holy. It is all about Jesus. May it constantly be his name and his fame. And all of God's people said, amen. Hey, we're in a series here. And this series we launched just a couple weeks back, and it's called Greater. And we're walking through the book of Hebrews, and we're talking about who is Jesus Christ. The first few chapters focus very specifically on greater, Jesus my God. So that's the first series we're jumped into here, greater, Jesus my God. It is about him greater than all others in creation. There is none like him. He is above it all. He is God Almighty. He is greater. Everybody just say, he is greater. And it's so easy for us as we walk through this world to get distracted by things and start to allow it to take our attention off of the almighty king of kings. You know, there's a true story. It was settled in the, like the 1920s. This guy had a car. He was driving his car and he was headed out west. Kind of rare for back then, right? Not many had automobiles back then and not to mention driving out west. And so as he was getting out west, he was getting out into this kind of little bit more wilderness area and uh, there was almost nothing around. It was barren. There was really just this one road he was riding on and uh, there was this tree that he saw up there and that was about all he could see anywhere. And as he saw the tree, he was like, man, I better not hit that tree. Like, that would not be good with it as barren and spread out as it is. That would be terrible for me to hit that tree. And so he hit the tree. And and when they came up to him and he had crashed into the tree, they were like, how could you have hit this? There is so much spread out land. What were you thinking? And he's like, the whole time I was holding onto the wheel, I was like, don't hit the tree. Don't hit the tree. And I just kept staring at the tree like, don't hit it. And I just sort of went at it. Have you ever noticed that whatever we're fixing our eyes on is what we head towards? Have you ever noticed that? Man, I'm just telling you, in this world that is so distracted right now, with angers and hatreds and upsetnesses and wanting to see things be whatever they may want it to be and the rising up and the crashing in. And it's easy for us to start looking at those things or talking about those things and saying, don't hit that, don't go near that. And all we really do is drive ourselves right towards that. Man, may we stop looking at the problem and start looking at the problem solver. May we stop getting so focused on all the little annoying details throughout our week, and may we focus on the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, who is greater. And all of God's people said, amen, man, that's where we're headed. So turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 1, starting in verse 6. Hebrews 1, starting in verse 6, and we're going to talk today a little bit about how to focus on Jesus Christ as greater, how to get our eyes fixed on him. Point number one, worship. Even the angels are directed to worship Jesus as God. Worship. Even the angels are directed 
to worship Jesus as God. The angels, these massive, perfect, created beings, stunning in their worship of God Almighty, and they're called to bow down before Jesus, the Son of God. He is so much greater. And if they're called to it in all of their glory, in all of their power, in all of their perfection, and they're bowing down, how much more should we be worshiping and bowing down? So as we get started here in verse 6, just remember we're picking up with a kind of a running start from Hebrews, the first five verses in chapter 1. And the author of Hebrews was talking about Jesus as God Almighty. He is the exact imprint of God Almighty. It is God clothed now in the flesh. He is the full nature of God poured down into the flesh. So fully God and fully man. He is truly God. And then he started to compare him to the angels. And because there was so much worship of angels going on back at that time when the author was writing, he's like, let's make it clear. There are angels. And then there is Jesus Christ way above and we need to grasp that with all we have. So as we jump into verse 6, that's exactly what he's continuing. It says, and again, when he, that's God the Father, when he brings the firstborn into the world, it said, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels wind and his ministers flames of fire. Let's just hold right there. In verse 6, it says, and again, when he brings the firstborn into the world... So, and again, like he's been talking about several different verses that point out that Jesus is greater than the angels. And again, here's another verse that says Jesus is greater than the angels. That's what many think that means, and again. And it's very probable that that's what it means. But just so you know, in the Greek, it could also be read, actually, uh, just moving that word again over a little bit. And when he again brings the firstborn into this world... Both of those would be very appropriate. And so when he again brings, like at the second coming of Jesus Christ, when he enters into this world, could be this awesome celebration of his greatness and his authority. It may be speaking of the second coming, or it might be speaking of the moment where he was expressed as the firstborn the first time, the first coming. Either way, whether first time coming or second time coming, he is the firstborn. And what does that mean? Many would say it means like, well, I think maybe Jesus was just created. All of a sudden, he started existing. Everybody say, not that. Dude, that's not what he's talking about. He's not like Jesus never existed before he got created. He's saying he existed for all eternity, but this is the moment where he ended up pouring the full Godhead down into flesh. And in that moment, him becoming man, but still absolutely glorious king and God Almighty firstborn in the Hebrews kind of environment, in the Jewish environment, the word firstborn meant way more than somehow just all of a sudden existing. It meant this absolute privilege and honor that he was heir, that he would be over, that he would have high responsibility and that he would have high benefit. He's the firstborn. You know, we're told that when we trust in Jesus Christ, when we trust in God Almighty, and that when we're saved, that we're called children of God, but he is the son of God, firstborn. He is over us all with authority and power and majesty, and there is none like him. He is heir and king of all things. He is the firstborn among all of us in the world, 
And so whether it's talking about his first coming or his second coming, either way, he is awesome and well above us all. He is truly over it all. Everybody say, he's over all. He is over it all, Jesus Christ. And then it says this quote here, let all God's angels worship him. How much overall is he? He's like, well, let me think of the most powerful, the most glorious, the most perfect created being I can. Angels. These angels that were still following God, not the fallen angels, not those, but the angels still following after God and worshiping him. Glorious, powerful, mighty, pure, sinless, created beings, the angels. And he's like, even they will bow down and get on their knees before Jesus Christ, who is God Almighty. The angels worship this massive power statement about Jesus. Please hear me. There are some angels that are sinless, the ones who have remained with God the Father and worshiping him. Sinless, perfect. Jesus is sinless. But let me tell you something. Jesus is the only one who can step into another's life and start to make us sinless. The angels don't have any power authority like that. Jesus beginning to transform our souls one degree of glory at a time. He is so much greater. Everybody just say, he is greater. And he is greater. He is greater than the angels. He is greater with all authority. It says, and of the angels, God says, and of the angels, he says. So now we're entering into a contrast. We just got done talking about God the Son. Let's talk a little bit about angels. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels wind and his ministers flames of fire. This is a quote right out of Psalm 104, verse 4. If you want to write that down, Psalm 104, verse 4. And uh, this is a direct quote of God the Father talking about his angels. Notice it says, he makes them. They're servants. There's a purpose with the angels. And God the Father is moving amongst them and sending them in direction. It says, he makes them wind or he makes them flames of fire. Those are metaphors, symbols, like he has different ways of using them in this world to bring his message to bear. They are servants under Jesus Christ and servants of the greater message. Jesus is the king. Angels are messengers. That's what his point is. Jesus, God Almighty, well above any created being we could ever imagine. Jesus is creator of all. He's sustainer of all. And everything around us exists because of him. And all of us need to recognize that we need to be bowing to him. May we fix our eyes on Jesus. Man, do you believe that Jesus is God Almighty? Do you believe? Are you willing to confess him as your Lord? Take over, you're in charge, God. You are in charge of my life. And that's saved as we worship Jesus Christ for who he is. You know, these past couple of weeks has just been an awesome time of celebration and worship for who Jesus Christ is. 
Last week, we had a huge celebration as we rallied a ton together. In fact, largest attendance we've had in the last year or so in live in person. We had well over 2,300 people here, and we were celebrating. We had 62 baptisms, 62 stepping up and saying, I have already believed in Jesus Christ. I have trusted him as Savior, and now today I am willing to proclaim this publicly. 62 lives saying, Christ is my hope. What an awesome day of celebration, an awesome day of worship. And all of God's people said, amen, man. If you've ever missed one of our baptisms, don't miss them again. It is phenomenal. I'm telling you, it is life-changing to hear what God is doing life by life, hope by hope, even hurt by hurt, God has a plan. What an awesome celebration as we went through the 62 baptisms. And, uh, you know, we even had something the week before that as well. And uh, we went after a child dedication two weeks ago. We did that on a Saturday. And so it was a little different. Normally we do child dedication here on a Sunday, but with all the numbers of people that have children to be dedicated, we just thought it would work better this way. So we rallied together. We had 48 different kids getting dedicated. Praise God for that. 48 different kids getting dedicated. We had a ton of extended family and friends that came. So we had over 400 people here in the auditorium as we went after a huge worship. And man, please hear me. We started out with some worship as we sang. I had a short five-minute challenge. The simple challenge was this. Parents, your call is twofold as you come up to pray today and dedicate. Number one, that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength, that you would put all of your soul into loving your God, love your God as parents. That's the first commitment. And second was we also now lift up this little one or little ones for a few of them. They had several that they were dedicating and praise God for that as they were able to say, we're committing our lives and now we're committing these little ones. We're gonna teach them and we're gonna share with them who Christ is and we long to see them come to worship Christ in due time. That was the two-part prayer for us to be committed and for our little ones to hear of Christ from us. May God get all the glory. As they came up, we ended up having like seven spots around the front here, all the way around, seven different locations and a cross right in the middle. And the families would come up facing the cross and just take a handful of minutes there as they personally committed through prayer themselves to the Lord and loving Him with all they've got. And they committed their little one to him here praying. I saw so many as they came off just in tears as they were like, this meant so much to us to commit to our God in the process. It was a power time of just prayer. And as anybody was done and they filtered off, the next family filtered in and we had all 48 come up and be praying before their Lord and committing. Just a sweet, sweet time. And then at the end of it, all of us that were here, we raised hands and prayed over the parents and the families. Just a sweet time of connecting together and worshiping our God. The reality is I love being able to do that service. It was phenomenal. Afterwards, we did a ton of celebration in the atrium and just a great time. But then you miss out on being able to see who the kids are and who the families are and what's going on. And that's kind of a downer. 
So what we actually thought we'd do, we put together a little bit of a vid here that allows you to be able to see each of the children that was getting dedicated. And then also there's some B-roll footage playing as well throughout and some main footage just to let you know some of what went on with the dedication. So I wanted you to be able to see the kids that were dedicated and to be able to see a little bit of went with the, went, what went with that. So here's the vid, check it out.
man, man, that's 48 different kids, tons of families affected, lots of extended family. And here's the reality, man, may we be praying for those families. May we be praying for those little ones. And here's a simple question for you. And how are you doing with your worship? How are you doing with your commitment to the Lord? Are you fixing your eyes on Jesus? Are you running hard after him with all you've got? May God get all the glory. Second point is this. Confess. Allow him to be your eternal king. Confess. Allow him to be your eternal king. Man, as we walk through a confession with our Lord, as we confess, as the blank is there, allowing him to be eternal king, we can worship him with all we've got. He starts out, but of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. But of the Son, he says, now we have him switching back to talking about Jesus Christ again. And this is God the Father now being quoted. This is coming from Psalm chapter 45, verse 6. It says, but of the Son, God the Father now says of the Son, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. God the Father is calling the Son God. Man, if you were looking for a passage somewhere in Scripture to make it clear that Jesus is God, Hebrews 1 is just chocked full of it. It's got a ton of proof over and over and over in there. And know this. It is absolutely essential that we grasp God the Father placing God the Son in the anointed spot of the throne. The throne meaning that position of place and rule and authority. Jesus Christ having that position. And it says, oh God, that is yours forever and ever and ever. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus is, everybody just say, he is God. Man, he is God. And that is our call, to recognize him as God and to put our focus on him and to make much of him. He is God. He is King Almighty forever and ever and ever. An eternal privilege and focus of Jesus from eternity past to eternity future. He is God the Son. And he, when he is declared the firstborn and heir of all things, he will be king over all forever. Do you know that God, king over all, worth worshiping with all you've got? He says, not only is your throne forever and ever, but he says, the scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. The scepter, meaning that symbol of the decisions you make and the methods you use and the way you interact. Your decisions, Jesus Christ, are upright. Like there's nothing wrong with them. They are all good. They are pure and hopeful. They have great intentions and great execution. His scepter of uprightness, well, that's the scepter of Jesus' kingdom. Get this, man. We may have gotten used to living in a world where a lot of leaders make a lot of mistakes. We may get to a point where we're getting tired of hearing of some mistake in some way, shape, or form, in whatever way it rolls out. But know this, Jesus Christ as King of Kings will never, ever, ever make a mistake. Absolute perfection in his leadership, stunning in all that he is, forever into the future, kingdom forever, perfect because he's in charge. 
Jesus Christ is our hope. And all of God's people said, huge deal. May we know that he is upright in all that he does. It says, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Psalm 45, verse 7 is this quote here. If you want to write it down, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. In other words, Jesus always goes after what is right. He is sinless. He is good. He is phenomenal in all of his decisions. It says, therefore. And when we see the therefore, we say, what is the therefore? Therefore. It's a connecting word. Because Jesus is so good, because he's so pure, because he's so upright, because he never makes a mistake, because of that, it says, therefore, God, your God, has anointed you. God the Father has anointed God the Son to be placed in a position of king forever. By the way, just so you know, this word anointed here, this is actually the Greek word that is actually the verb side of Jesus' title, Messiah. He is actually the anointed one. That's what Messiah means, the anointed one. And it says, God the Father has anointed Jesus Christ. He has declared him Messiah. He has declared him to be the one worth worshiping. Jesus Christ is our hope, our Messiah, our future. It says, with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. With the oil of gladness, like the joy from Jesus is just spilling out all over the place. There is no one happier. There is no one more joyful. There is no one with a sweeter understanding of all that is going on or will be going on. Jesus Christ and his oil of gladness pouring on. He is a God of laughter. He is a God of peace. He is a God of satisfaction. And man, can you imagine what heaven is going to be like? I cannot wait for us to get home to heaven. I'm telling you, we walk through this broken world, and it's pretty easy to get annoyed. It's pretty easy to get distracted. It's pretty easy to get disturbed even with all that's going on. Man, we will be going home to heaven. And when we arrive home to heaven, know this. There will be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more heartache, no more tears. Absolute stunning perfection. No one getting in the way of his amazing rule. Jesus Christ taking us home. One degree of glory this side of heaven. Absolute stunning perfection that side. God has a plan. He's walking us in our sinfulness through this sinful world and he's shaping us up a little bit at a time and he's bringing us home to heaven. Joy, laughter, peace, absolute satisfaction forever. That's where we're headed. And all of God's people said, amen, man, don't miss it. Jesus is so worth worshiping. It says, and you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. You laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. We saw this last week. We also know it from Colossians 1. We know it from Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created. And we now know that Jesus is that creator. He speaks and all things physical exist. This physical world around us is because of Jesus. It exists and it's held together because of him. 
Now our sinfulness has taken it a whole different direction and he's working with our broken sinfulness in this world and he's taking us home to a better plan. In fact, he's going to talk about it in just a second here, but this idea of from the beginning it being laid out, it comes from Psalm 102 verses 25 through 27, another Psalm quote here, that Jesus is actually the fulfillment as creator and designer. And then it says, and the heavens are the work of your hand. And the heavens are the work of your hand. Now, this is clearly talking about the stars and the moon and all of that, the physical world. But the word that's chosen here, this is actually also talking about heaven, the place where the angels exist, the place where glory is celebrated, where worthy, worthy, worthy is what is declared. Jesus created that heaven. Did you know that? That Jesus actually created that heaven. Like, remember, God is spirit. And so God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all three existing as one, were together as one in full unity, and they existed from eternity past. But in the moment where he decided to create angels, in the moment where he started to put into place something physical in the heavens, in that moment he needs a place to put it. And so he created heaven. Jesus speaks and heaven exists. That is our God. He's like, just so we're clear, even the heavens are the work of your hands. He is the author of this place, and man, he is the author of the next place, Jesus Christ. It says, they will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. This earth will fade away. And even this heaven that we are aware of, what we would call paradise from Scripture, even that is going to be going away. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. Jesus, creator of that. New heaven, new earth. Jesus over it all. Absolute stunning perfection. Him over it all. Please note what it says. It says, they will perish, but you will remain. All of the stuff around us is changing. We are changing, but God does not change. If you want the big, uh, massive theological word, the word is immutable. He is immutable. He does not change. Malachi 3.6 says, I am the Lord your God. I change not. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His love, his mercy, his grace, his purity, his justice, his holiness, his righteousness, all the same, all ways. Jesus is not changing along the way. In fact, as we think about it, I even wrote some words down this week after kind of talking some things through with my wife a little bit, and here's some words. As our connection to Jesus grows... As we grow in him, as our connection to Jesus grows, know that he is not the one who changed. We have. As our connection to Jesus grows, grasp this. He is shaping our heart. We are being changed. You may feel like you're getting to know Christ more and you're worshiping him more. It's not because he has become more likable. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It is our hearts that are being transformed and shaped and changed May Christ get all the glory. He is perfect and glorious and just and gentle and tender and kind. He loves to laugh 
and he loves to bring peace to wherever he's at. I cannot wait to be at home in heaven with him. Hear me, as we worship in this broken world, we get so distracted so easily. How many trees are we staring at in the middle of the wilderness and headed for a crash? May we come after Jesus Christ and worship him who is greater with all we've got. The heavens are even going to be stunning. It says, but you are the same and your years have no end. This is an amazing privilege to know him and to celebrate him and to lift him up. Man, hear me. Jesus Christ, he is God Almighty who stepped down into this world. He clothed himself with humanity. He will be coming again. He will get on a white horse. He will come into this world and he will put an end to sin. He will put an end to ridiculous domination. He will put an end to tragedy and heartache. He will put an end to death. He will put an end to the hurt in our souls that makes each and every day almost intolerable. God has a plan. And all of God's people said, Amen, man. Don't miss it. He is so worth worshiping. And it's so easy to get so annoyed at whatever little thing sits right in front of us that all of a sudden our worship collapses. May we constantly fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith. He says at the end, And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? This is from Psalm 110, verse 1. He's like, let's just talk about the sun and the angels one more time. To which of the angels have they ever been said, why don't you sit next to me at my right hand and become the ruling, reigning king of the universe? Why don't you have all of your enemies put at your feet as a footstool? That never got said. It only gets said to Jesus Christ alone. Jesus. And by the way, notice it says your enemies are your footstool. That does speak a little bit to how easy it's going to happen. It does speak to the authority and the power and the amazing nature of Jesus Christ as it all gets finally put in place. He will be victorious and ruling. It says, are they not all ministers now talking to angels? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Angels, as glorious as they are, are servants. And Jesus Christ is king. Notice, by the way, it says that as they are servants, it is to usher in salvation. It's to bring a message that allows us the privilege of being shaped and transformed, of knowing Jesus as Savior forever. Praise God for salvation. It says in 1 Peter that the angels actually look into salvation and they're in awe. Why? Well, because they used to know of it as good angels and those who fall, bad angels or demons, and that was the end of it. And God would bring blessing on one and wrath on the other, and that's all they knew. But now what they see is the human heart being shaped by God Almighty, and there's a transformation and a salvation and a hope that comes across. We can be saved, and they're in awe of the mercy and the grace of God pouring in. May God truly get all the glory as we celebrate that we need a Savior and that He is that King. Jesus Christ, are you ready to worship the one 
who is greater than all creation. Are you ready to worship the one who is greater than even the angels, the greatest of this creation? Are you ready to worship the one who is coming again as King of kings and Lord of lords? May he get our attention. It's time for us to put our eyes on the problem solver, not on the problem. And all of God's people said.